Ketchup. Hamilton at last. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Hamilton at last. We see each other plain. Miss your treasury guy. You'll wear a different chair. (laughs) He's the treasury guy, right? I've only, I haven't listened to all of Hamilton, so I don't actually know. Yes. He's a money boy. Okay. The money cat. The money cat knows where the money tree grows. And a cat named Hamilton. Hi, everybody. Uh, this is I Think You'd Be Into It, the podcast about your faves. I'm your host, Brandon Beck. And I'm your other host, Beth Scruzzato. And uh, joining today, us today... No, you, you go ahead. Sorry, I didn't know if you were doing it. Don't worry. I'm petting this cat. Our guest today is a uh, past guest of the show. He joined us a couple years ago to talk about the mountain goats. Uh, and today he's back to talk with us about uh, Hamilton, uh, as it's pronounced in the original French. Alex Susella. Alex, welcome to the show. Uh, I think you mean, what's your name, man? Is how I'm introduced. <laughs> what was your name? Hamilton, what's your name? Yep, that's it. I'm good, as much as we can all be during lockdown. Yeah. Um, how's it treating you guys? Uh, we're we're doing we're doing mostly okay. Um, there were times where it, a lot of times it's felt like being on a roller coaster of anxiety, and that Ooh. roller coaster has a launch, but I don't know when it's going to mm. happen. It just will happen at some point during the day. But otherwise, it's been pretty chill. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we do have the benefit, and and like it is, it it is definitely a benefit in this situation that you know we're married and we live together and we're not boomers so our relationship is not based on hating each other so uh (laughs) we do have the benefit of being with another person than not having to like be that isolated which is nice um not that we don't both you know want some time away from each other sometimes because that's normal and human yeah but Uh, I just have Plus my roommate. Big fat cat. Oh. Yay! I always had a big fat cat. I uh, I just have my my roommates, and the uh, they kind of they've taken over the living room, like just completely without you know any kind of uh, sharing. And uh, so my human contact is I walk to the fridge to get some water while I hear one of them screaming over his Xbox. I got you, bitch! And I'm like, oh, human well, contact for bitch. the day. Yeah, he really, you know, you know, give credit where credit's due. Sometimes you're really you're pwning a noob. <laughs> Dumb got him. <laughs> he got. He got got. What are you gonna do? So before we get onto the topic at hand, Moulton, uh, <laughs> I as... hate you so much. Good, <laughs> so I, much. Good. I'm glad, I, I, Moulton. I. I may, I may be at some point during this episode, just given the Hamilton theme, honor bound to take you to the dunk zone. Like by the gentlemanly rules of combat, everyone I might else, have to do it. Everyone else is welcome in the dunk zone with me. Most people are just—they don't dare approach. But it is <laughs> an open, open court. 
<laughs> and then Brandon's like, you merely adopted the dunk zone. I was born in it. He, he's the target. I mean, he's the basket. He can't move. But dunk zone <laughs> is open. It is a free play. It is a free play okay. court. Dunk All zone. Right. Desert planet. <laughs> so before we get into the topic at hand, Walton, uh, yeah, fuck you. let's uh, <laughs> go through what we're into this week. Uh, Alex, you came prepared with a topic. Sure did. Um, one, I'm super into Ken Burns' Vietnam docuseries. It is the most punk rock documentary I've ever seen. And I love the way that it uh, presents itself because it's like it does a really good balance of like it'll be like, oh, the, the history of French Indochina dates back to this point and uh, the, the struggle for territory. And then it'll smash cut to like an American dude in the jungle with a green helmet on and like the doors playing. And he's like, I found a necklace of human ears, man. This is the this is wild. Yeah, yep. man. I when we were in middle school, I did a. We all had to do an Americana project, and the expectation was that we would do it on, like, the founding of America, and I wanted to do mine on the Vietnam War, because I was a really weird 12-year-old, um, <laughs> and they got, like, kind of weird about it, and they were all like, I don't know if you could do that. It's like, it, like, there was some hints that, like, it was anti-American to do an Americana project on the Vietnam War, and I was like, oh, if that's how you feel, then maybe we do need to examine the Vietnam War. I mean, ultimately, yeah. they let me do it. It was eighth grade in central Connecticut. Nobody was that upset, but okay. um, I was a weird child and i continue to be a weird adult i took a bunch of classes on the vietnam war in college it is a fascinating and really tragic history <laughs> for yeah. one of my also, college yeah. for one of my college classes which was basically directing for writers uh the whole first semester was based around apocalypse now and heart of darkness where like we read the book and then we watched apocalypse now and then we watched hearts of darkness which fucking owns um but we, uh, I watched Apocalypse Now with Beth, and when it was over, I was like deeply shook, like capital S space H space O, like shook. And she was like, eh, whatever. I was like, I read Fallen Angels when I was 11. Um, <laughs> I think her exact, her exact words were, while I was still like clutching my pillow after watching a cow get slaughtered, she was like, all right, what do you want for dinner? And I was just like, uh... Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, like anything uh, but beef <laughs> yeah it's fine it's fine but you said you came with two things i did i'm also uh i'm very into three things actually i'm very into the show westworld even though i actively dislike the show westworld <laughs> so hate watching westworld yeah because it started out like what i watched the first season when it first came out and the pilot is incredible, but the pilot, I was like, oh, it's going to be an examination of like free will philosophy and sci-fi and like through the lens of like the Western tropes. I was like, this is going to be my show. And I watched Shocking the whole season. You know the source material. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it, it, I, I had to gradually admit to myself as I kept finishing the season, like, I don't think this is good. Yeah. Like the problem <laughs> with Westworld is the acting is phenomenal. The visuals are spectacular. The music is really, really, really good, but the writing is so laughable that I'm like, oh, this is a terrible show that's like almost an amazing show. Westworld seems like the perfect form would be like a 10 minute recap every week. 
It really does. It really gives you one of those, like not 10 minutes, but like long, like at least five minutes because every season of Westworld is like, there's three timelines, but they don't tell you there's three timelines until it's a big twist at the end. And I'm just like, you can, you know that they're going to do that because they've done it before, but you're just like, all right, how are you going to try to trick me? But it's going to be like way not worth the trick for really stupid twists. And frankly, the stupidest thing about Westworld is I don't buy that the actor Jimmy Simpson would age into Ed Harris. They look nothing alike, <laughs> and I'm furious every time they they expect me to think they would. Oh, yeah, that's not even at all close. I would yeah. normally tag that as a spoiler, but it's from three seasons ago. So Yeah. Yeah. And so now, uh, season three of Westworld, they've gone out of the park, which honestly is a cool story choice, but it's really just turned into, like, shitty Black Mirror where it's like it's interesting to see what yeah i like i love to see what what the rest of the world is like but it's all just like and then the the computer is in your brain and isn't that upsetting and i'm like no not really okay and also jesse pinkman's there now yep and uh so i i what i'm basically saying is i hate westworld and i eagerly watch it every week with a big old glass of wine and go what is happening and i just Oh, it's my Hell yeah. And Hell uh, yeah. my third my third thing is um, I haven't watched it recently, but whenever I've been down in this whole quarantine business, I just watch clips from the movie Cats and I am born anew into the heavy side layer. And Ugh. it's just the best. Brandon's watched it twice since we started quarantine. Once he made <laughs> me watch it. I, I have watched Cats 2019 to completion twice in quarantine. I saw it twice in theaters. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I he made me watch it for the first time a couple weeks ago. Uh, and then oh, he also did like a watch party with his discord group. <laughs> it's the greatest comedy of the last thousand years. Like, I don't normally like it's weird because like as a person who's in comedy, I don't watch a lot of comedy, even though I'm like, oh, South Park's really good. But like, I don't really keep up with them. But someone's like, what's your what's the like movie that really made you laugh this year? I'm like, Cats. It's so good. It's so Fair. That's good. like my feelings in Jupiter Ascending. Yes, it's very Jupiter ascending. I think they'd make a decent double bill. It's just like, and then there was the whole business with like, they were working on it until the night before. So there's a bunch of mistakes in the CGI that I got to see. And also like, Brandon, tell me, did was, was this, I know you think that Shape of Water is the horniest movie of all time. I think Cats, if not the winner, might be up there because oh, those Cats, cats is those, for sure hornier. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh, cats! Cats blows uh, Shape of Water straight out of the water. Cat, every reaction shot in Cats looks like the person is about to just take a big steamy load just right across the face. <laughs> yes. um, there's that. I think it's. I think it's after rats. the Jellicle Ball where everyone is just going. <sighs> yeah, and then the other half of the reaction shots are Monkey Strap just looking. Partially unsure if he's afraid of or wants to fuck Judy Dutch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so I, when I when I took my friends to see it again because I wanted to see it again right away, so we all went uh, for a friend's birthday, and they were like, "What was that?" I'm like, "Guys, at least we learned how to address a cat, right?" <laughs> when yeah. when that number do you though? Do you? Mm, I guess <laughs> sort of. 
unclear. My when I saw it, my audience was relatively like we weren't like losing it, but but everyone knew it was a little absurd. But but once Judy Dench turned the camera, we all just <laughs> lost our minds. <laughs> and then when it cuts to like five minutes after she flies away, when it cuts back to the uh, the balloon with Jennifer Hudson in it was like the purest laugh I've ever heard from an audience. Yeah. Yeah. Though and I like there oh are my God. there are about four scenes in that movie that do work from top to bottom. The thing about cats is they they made about four choices that really work, but they only serve to make every other choice the more baffling because mm-hmm. it's like, okay, making McCavity magic, that makes sense. Um Making giving us an audience surrogate in Victoria. Cool. She only has a little silent dance number in the Broadway show. Make her the lens. Okay, I'm good with that. Um, why is the heavy side layer a hot air balloon? That's why. Why? And I mean, it's like, isn't it? It's usually uh, like a big hand or like a UFO in the show. Yeah, it's more of like a. It's more like a shiny staircase. At least the one that was filmed for the '90s. So it's kind of like. The cloud motif is kind of on brand, but hot air balloon is just like, okay, did y'all just y'all get really giving... high and try to pick the worst <laughs> option? Because that's what it is. Yeah, y'all are giving both T.S. Eliot and Andrew Lloyd Webber way too much logical credit. Ooh, speaking of T.S. Uh, Eliot, if you if you want to have a weird good time, go on Spotify or the YouTubes. Um, and there's a recording of T.S. Eliot reading Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats. And they're all him in like he sounds he sounds like somebody trying to do a British crypt keeper. <laughs> He's like there's a whisper down the line at eleven thirty nine when the night smell's ready to depart, saying skimble, where is skimble? Unless he's very nimble then the night smell just can't start. It's real. Oh, and also on Sp- on the Spotify version there's a skip in <laughs> one of the tracks because oh. it was clearly just recorded from vinyl. Oh, That's good. That's very good. Just speaking of Skimbleshanks, um, when we all left the theater, my fr- first of all, okay, so my first time I saw it, a woman at the very end stood up and goes, everyone, they found a way to make me not attracted to Idris Elba. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> and then, so this, the second time I saw it, my friends, they're, because this is such a movie that is so bad you can't not talk about it, they're like, that Skimbleshanks number, like, was sort of good. Like, it was cool. Like, the dancing's really solid. And, like, Brandon but how big, are they, how big are they supposed to be? And, all, oh, and, and they're how like, big, why? How big are cats is the greatest mystery of the movie Cats. It, all right. <laughs> we're getting into territory where we could just start doing a whole episode about this movie. We, ve- we very, <laughs> well, we very yes. well, well could. But that is not the subject at hand. And Brandon, you still yes. have to tell us what you're into. And actually, okay. one of Alex's did inspire me. Um, well, <laughs> this week, this week, I never come prepared. this week, I'm into the railway departing at the exact right time, which means I'm into Skimbleshanks, the railway cat. <laughs> uh, no, this this week, um, I have been dipping back into uh, some old TV that I was really into uh, when I was younger, and I've been going back through Reno Nine One One, which nice. Uh, we well, watched the movie. He made me watch. <laughs> yeah, we watched the movie, and uh, I think it's safe to say Beth did not enjoy it. I didn't. 
not enjoy it just didn't do anything for me like it was fine That's it, like for fair. the thing it's doing i think it did it <laughs> it accomplished so, it it's just not did, the kind of uh, it's not the kind of humor that i like particularly enjoy. like the show never did much for me either like i i get who it's for but it's not me and like <laughs> the, the movie does really lean into the like let's just be more explicit about things because we're rated r uh yeah does the and, like grid of people masturbating in the house all simultaneously it's he it's had something. me watch the miami one yeah uh, well, no, that's that's the only one. That's the only movie. Oh, um, yeah. But I, I've been going back and rewatching some episodes of the series, and those hold up a lot better. Uh, there, there's a substantial amount of gay panic jokes, despite the fact that, like, ostensibly the main character of the show is super gay. Um, yeah. But like, yeah, it's it, it's it's holding up in ways that have been interesting to see as a you know a comedian and and writer um the thing i i don't think i realize uh is just how high stakes every scene is in that show because it's involving cops and there are guns and things involved so like i think it really adds a comedic tension to it that really Mm -hmm. works and the fact that they're all genius improvisers yeah um but uh, that show's coming back in a couple weeks on uh, Quibi, a platform that certainly exists. <laughs> no one will buy? Nope. And no one has, and yeah, I'm so, doubting so, anyone will. So it's coming back, but really, mm, Quibi's never just the new back. CISO. Oh, oh, you're right. It so is. I still have, yeah. I still get pangs about CISO. There was so much good content on CISO that is just, yeah. you can't find anywhere now. Yeah. All right, babe, what about you? All right, so Alex uh, talking about Westworld did inspire me that uh, I've been rewatching a lot of old sci fi shows that I either really enjoyed and want to rewatch, or I've been starting with ones that I never finished for one reason or another. And uh, so I, one of the, and I'm watching like three at once now. I can't just sit down and finish a show straight through because, uh, you know, ADHD or whatever. But uh, I am now halfway through rewatching Science, which was uh, a sci fi show. Uh, it was uh, like on sci fi, I want to say like five years ago, maybe. I don't totally know. But it is a sci fi show that. What what you said about Westworld kind of reminds me. Like I love one of the reasons I love sci fi shows is I love um, the production design aspect of it. Like rewatching all these sci fi shows just really makes me like want to do lean more into like the production design stuff that I do. And like when this quarantine is over, makes me want to be like, yes, I want to fucking build these worlds, but physically because the writing on this show, I've been telling Brandon about it. Shit just happens, and it's wild like like there's this large overarching like mystery that it seems like if you're just watching the show and i think if you were watching it from week to week you would be like yeah this makes sense and they totally had this whole thing mapped out and blah 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 but when you watch them back to back it becomes apparent that like i don't think they knew i don't think they knew the ending to this mystery because shit just happens like and it start like the whole show started like it was going to be about like 
it starts with a murder and it's about this guy that gets murdered and, and they go down into the mines and there's all these like old items down here from like 1908 and like they're trying to figure out how these 1908 items are with these sci-fi items, blah, blah, blah. And then the guy who's mainly investigating it just like abruptly gets written off the show and the mystery turns out to be about somebody else entirely and like all the 1908 shit is never mentioned again we never go down into the mines and see like all of the like old cave paintings that this was about again and it just becomes about like this alien conspiracy somewhere else then like halfway through season two like all of a sudden they bring in this like weird like racist cross-dressing club to bring in like tension in someone's marriage like shit just happens and it's wild i'm not not into it but i am realizing as i watch it that they did not know where they were going (laughs) yeah i think the only show that's ever nailed we don't know where this going but we'll figure it out is breaking bad and other than that it's like well everyone's tried but it only worked once yeah yeah well that and the whole the whole whole thrust of breaking bad was we don't know what's going to happen let's just figure it out <laughs> like yeah. story wise. It's just a shame because yeah. it's a show from an era of the sci fi channel that I think was kind of a bridge era for them. It was like just post like um Eureka and Battlestar um, too. And just it was just post Eureka and Warehouse thirteen and a lot of their like really good shows that worked really well. Um in like the past decade, but it was before they had kind of transitioned more into like Killjoys and Happy and Winona Earp and the stuff that's kind of airing now, some of which works, some of which doesn't, but it was like a weird gap era and Defiance was one of the shows that filled that. It kind of like overlapped the end of Eureka. Uh, it just kind of doesn't work and that's probably why there were only three seasons. Mm. But anyway, right. I know that sounds like like I'm into it, but I don't like, I do recommend it. It's definitely a really well done show. It's beautiful. Um, the woman, Jamie, fuck, I can't remember her last name. Um, but she was also, she played H.G. Wells on Warehouse 13, and she's one of the, like, B leads in this, and she's just fucking phenomenal. Like, the acting is really good. It's just, like, the, they clearly didn't know where it was going. Yeah. So that's mine. See? I had one. Fine. <laughs> Probably out of things now, Jesus. Yep. Good thing we scheduled seven more recordings for the rest of the week. Okay, whatever. Anyway, we're here, though, not to talk about sci-fi. We're here to talk about history. The history of cats. Yes. Not the history of cats. You may ask yourself, what is a cat? Here's nine examples of what's a cat, of what a cats are. What's cats are. Now, none of of them are what cats really are. I have a cat lying next to me. He's very large. He's very boneless. He's very good. His name is Gil Faison. Another Broadway Broadway hero. Yeah, he is another Broadway hero. Yeah, we haven't really, since we last taped the podcast, we have two new cats. The previous podcast, Akima, uh, I love her dearly, but she was 16 years old and she died on Christmas a couple years ago. And uh, now we have these two new podcasts, Gil Faison and Kentucky. And they're both very good, but Gil Faison uh, is my very large boneless boy. and He uh, sleeps in here with me while we record these podcasts. They're very good. You guys can check out my Instagram for some photos of the podcasts. I thought we weren't talking about cats. We're not talking about our country. We're going to talk about the history of our country, our fucked up, fucked up country, but also Lin-Manuel Miranda's making it 
sound less bad. <laughs> yep, that's kind of it. <laughs> cool. Uh, well, that being said, podcast over. Don't you, don't you. Well, I actually, okay, no. So tell, tell, we, Hamilton has obviously been like a fucking phenomenon. I don't think either one of us have actually listened like all the way through it. Probably, it's very good. No, I, I, I've listened to the entire first act and like a little bit of the second one, and I, I stopped because I was enjoying it so much. I, I don't tend to like to listen to a show's soundtrack before I've seen it. Like I didn't listen to Book of Mormon for like five or six years, uh, and that was a comedy, so I didn't want the joke spoiled. But even like with with yeah. Hamilton. Like I've heard it's so amazing and that the the ending at or like the second act is so powerful that like I I really didn't want to have it spoiled for when I do eventually see it, despite the fact that I know I'm not gonna see it until like the seventh touring cast starring Mario Lopez. You know? Yeah. Um I I I do yeah, the act two is a huge bummer. It is you're right, it's very powerful. Um it contains what I would argue is the saddest song ever written called It's Quiet Uptown, but I won't tell you why because I don't want to spoil it for you. But just because I, mean, I know what happens. I think it's Yeah, I, I just haven't think heard the music. Yeah, I I think it's kind of interesting that the whole point of the show is that you you're supposed to go in knowing the ending and nothing else. So then it can show you like, yeah, it wasn't exactly played out as you would think it would, but it's like, okay, one spoiler isn't really a spoiler. It's like, okay, we know he gets shot, but we don't know anything else because none of us have read about it. Oh, here's, oh, it's a much more interesting tale that no one ever talks about kind of a thing. Yeah, I mean, he was definitely an impressive political figure, and I don't think that he was a poor choice of uh, subject, but there's, yeah, there's a lot. I mean, and it has to do also with, like, the failure of our fucking education system that none of us know much about this although we've had what 50 something presidents um so like there's a lot of presidents to cover i fucking i don't know i don't pay attention (laughs) to the one in office so i try not to remember what number he is okay he he might very (sighs) well he might very well be the last one so who knows yeah for for like a lot of reasons like yeah he might not leave we might all die he might not leave while we all die there's so many ways this could play out that are in no way good what's going to be fun is is in a couple hundred years when somebody writes a hip-hop musical about him oh, oh god. god no but oh, so yeah you do so you have your own uh one one of your podcasts broadway baby where you you definitely are very immersed in musicals and stuff what about hamilton specifically works for you on such a level that like you want to come on and stand it <laughs> um so first of all, it's one of the only things that I feel entirely lives up to its own hype. Like I, I resisted Damn. listening to it for a minute before I like knew I liked musicals because this was one of the shows that made me realize I liked theater at all. Um, and then I listened to it, and just from the first couple of notes, I'm like, "This is awesome! God damn it! <laughs> I now have to listen." And then I've played it to death since, and um, part of the reason is uh you know it's a story that no one really gets gets told anymore except for now um we all know just because it's a musical and so that's interesting um but also i've never felt more seen by a main character because i'm also a lovable yet unstable workaholic loudmouth who is uh constantly freaking out so i i just (laughs) really enjoy that journey (laughs) 
So, so, so Hamilton makes you feel seen is what you're saying. It really, really does. I'm not even kidding. That's how what? I felt after the uh, after we saw Escape from Margaritaville. <laughs> He's only a little bit kidding. Yeah, only no, a little but bit. But I mean, that's, that's, I mean, I think that's the, the power of uh, Lin-Manuel and his team's writing is that like it is this just because they're historical figures, it's still a show. You still need to create a compelling character that people want to watch. Yeah. And I think that's the brilliance of it, that they managed to find that balance between telling a history and really getting you to engage with the characters you're seeing on stage beyond feeling like you're watching a history book. On yeah. the very, works in... very off chance that someone in our audience doesn't know what Hamilton is. Alex, <clears throat> could you give us just a quick TLDR on, you know, what we're talking about? Um, okay, Alexander Hamilton, first Treasury Secretary of the United States. Everyone knows he's on the 10, he died in a duel, but no one else really knows much before the show showed up. And it is his journey from immigrating off of an island that he wrote an essay to get himself off of through his high uh, rise to power, becoming the first Treasury Secretary, which at that time would have been something uh, akin to prime minister. So it sounds less impressive than it was. And then through his own mistakes, uh, ruining it all. Yeah, I like to call it the rise and fall of Alexander Hamilton and the spiders from Mars. But yeah. um, <laughs> well, I, I meant more specifically what the show is, but that also is helpful. Well, it is a hip hop musical though, which is yeah interesting. It's it's that's what makes it unique among the canon of musicals because it's kind of a hip hop opera in a way, isn't it? I guess so. I, I honestly, I don't know the exact I, I definition it, of an opera. So I but don't it is, know how much dialogue there is. There's almost none. It's there's yeah. only one scene, and it's basically just an excuse for a reprise, and it's like a minute long. It's mostly sung through. So like, if you yeah. know the album, you know the entire show. Just for I would except for how it's staged, obviously. Opera. Yeah. Just like I mean, because like Evita is considered an opera. Yeah, and it, yeah, Vita I believe is sung through as well, so it's pretty similar in that way. That one I've yeah. worked on. That one I'm I'm very familiar with Evita. Evita Chiquita. No, you haven't seen it. <laughs> it's actually great. Evita's I love Evita. I love Evita. Evita is one of the musicals that the movie is actually pretty good. <laughs> I really, really liked it, and I was really surprised about yeah, that fact. Antonio Banderas is fucking great. As yeah. Jay. Is that Andrew Lloyd Webber? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but like on less drugs. Fair, but that's his history. <laughs> it, it is. I mean, in a way, Evita is like a similar concept. She was a real oh, yeah. political figure as well. I mean, <laughs> honestly, when I, I I heard Hamilton before I heard Evita, and then when I listened to Evita, I was like, oh, it's that same kind of thing. It's this. Oh, you came from nothing, and you ambitioned your way up to the top, but at what yeah. price? Like McCavity. It's a very very yeah. similar show. Yeah, it actually is like a pretty good parallel. <laughs> Yeah, and it's um, also narrated by it, someone else, by like a foil. Mm-hmm. So like Hamilton is narrated by Burr, and Che is the narrator of uh, of Avita. And in some productions, he's Che Guevara, which is supposed to be the voice of like, you know, the people of Argentina versus she, you know, worked her way into yeah. the aristocracy of it. And so it's it's a pretty damn similar dynamic, if you ask me. It's yeah. a rock show, I mean, obviously, but he's pretty like he's named Che. Pretty, uh, it's one of Andrew Lloyd Webber's subtle. Uh, fucking, yeah, and he's not a subtle man to begin with. But. No, Che Guevara, the railway cat. Skimble Che. So the, <laughs> there it is. One of the things that, and I think 
has kept. So Hamilton's also come through town a couple times in LA and we probably could have gotten tickets. Things I've heard from people though, is that while it is very good, it is so dense that if they didn't like listen to it and memorize what was being said before they saw the production, they felt like they didn't get what they needed to get out of it. Oh yeah. And that's, that's probably why Hamilton for me has almost infinite re-listen value because you keep noticing more things, especially if you read the book, which I did, or if you just read about the history of that time and stuff, there are little cheeky little references to, you know, imagine what going to happen when you try to tax our whiskey. Oh, that's the whiskey rebellion he's talking about, which was a real big crisis and stuff. Um, I would highly recommend listening to it at least once just so you know what's going because they talk really fast and it's great but there's a lot of information thrown at you very yeah. quickly like i saw somebody that was like i think i would have enjoyed the show more if i had the words in front of me because there it is really dense and a lot of people don't want to go see a show where they feel like they have to have pre-done their research mm. i usually listen to a show once before i go see it just because if it if it goes against my expectations musically sometimes i'll i'll feel disappointed even if it's good so i just want to like get my expectations set for what i'm going to see mm-hmm. well that's just me that's just my listening habit okay. that makes sense and and you're probably not alone in that yeah so but for so for if somebody was looking to get into hamilton they, yeah. do you have a favorite song do you think they have to listen to it in order or is there a song that you would tell people like if you want to encapsulate the experience you're going to get with hamilton listen to this one to know whether or not um, they're into it i would say just put on the first track i think it's the best song i think it sets up every theme you're going to kind of encounter so you'll know what kind of story you're getting um i think you 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 meet all the characters even though they don't name themselves pretty much um, mm-hmm. like it's narrated by all of it's, it's, I, it took me a while for it to dawn on me that this is a musical that the opening track is, is just all of his enemies introducing his legacy, which is basically what happened in real history because presidents two through seven hated him. So they kind of like just didn't talk about him and he sort of faded away from our narrative. Um, there are other songs that I think, you know, if, uh, listen to the room where it happens. That's a banger. There's no bad songs on it but i would say um even though non-stop which is the act one closer is one of my favorites it's really long and you kind of have to be acquainted with the characters to really feel it so i wouldn't say start with that one i'd say start with either alexander hamilton my shot or wait for it or the room where it happens so either two hamilton songs or two burr songs and you're kind of going to get a feel for what's going to going to happen you can also probably throw a cabinet battle in there Oh, those are hilarious. I love it. That was those are one of the ones I feel like you really battles. need to know what's happening. What? Those are one of the ones, though, I think you really need to know what's happening. Yeah, it definitely helps to know, like, oh, so he was he wanted to start this national bank and to filter the debt through because we were actively hemorrhaging money as a country or the French Revolution. And he got really freaked out because he was worried, like, oh, they're going to cut off so many heads that a dictator is going to show up, which actually happened. That's how we got Napoleon oh, yeah. and stuff like that. Yay. That's uh, how we got like this. Hamilton. Um, yeah. Uh, fun fact. Uh, Hamilton's absolute nightmare would be Donald Trump. Like he was he, he's so scared of when this would happen. So people yeah. were like, oh, maybe he'd be a Republican if he was alive. Now I'm like, nah, I no. think he'd be as panicked as the rest of us. I, I call yeah. that more of a fun fortunate fact. <laughs> it really uh, is fun fortunate. Yeah. 
to to steal a bit from another podcast, I'm just going to share it with you because I think it's funny that um, on uh, on the Bim Bam they did a Yahoo answer that through the logic of it ended with Alexander Hamilton like being able to come back to life briefly right now, and they <laughs> were like. Yeah, they were like, oh, he would probably think it's dope that there's a musical about him, but he'd be like, oh, can I see it? And he'd be like, ooh, not right now, bud. <laughs> not right now, you can't. Yeah, he Sorry. didn't have a lot of money. <laughs> no shows at the moment. No shows. Can't see it. Mm-hmm. There are two My Brother, My Brother and Me references in Hamilton. Sure are. Unless. Yeah, I don't remember what the other one is, but there, yeah, there is a definite unless. Oh, yeah. Yeah, what are they? It's uh, I'll do whatever you want. I'm super dead. <laughs> okay yeah it's pretty great yeah because the boys in the bim bam um really uh are friends with lin-manuel yep and like it's so weird to see job. a person who is fanboy and fangirled over all the time being the ultimate fanboy of these three weird nerds that yeah. seem very self-conscious of that fact yeah, and I think it's just so great because the, one of the things that's really great, I think, about Lin-Manuel Miranda is he is unabashedly just a, a, a giddy little fanboy about things, and it's very infectious. Yeah. And he wrote an entire show about Hamilton because he was a giddy little fanboy about him. Yeah. I mean, it's also, it's if we want to get into it, there's so many parallels to just the hip-hop world in Hamilton. Not just that it's all rap, but like, oh, the parties are like East Coast, West Coast record labels. And uh, he's he's gone on record and said that each founder, their rapping style is based on an actual rapper. So that Hamilton is a mixture of Tupac, Biggie, Big Pun, and Eminem. And I don't know the other guys as well, but like, you can hear the Eminem totally in him. And that uh, Washington is like Common and John Legend, like more of a singer- Congress are the fat boys, right? Probably. And uh, the Skylar sisters are Destiny's Child, which I'm pretty sure makes Angelica Beyonce. I want to talk about the Skylar sisters forever. Just fucking. Actually, the first song from this show I ever heard was Burn, um, which is like a weird first song to hear out of this. But Mm -hmm. if you know me, if you know me, it's absolutely the first song to play me personally out of it. Yeah. Um, the thing that's so great. Oh, I like sorry, things kidding. I can sing, and uh, I'm a really big fan of like songs that are like sad. I love like a good sad, angry song, something that has like a lot of depth. Yeah. Um, and so, like it, for me personally, that actually was a very good first song to introduce me to. But I don't think it would be like the first thing to pull anybody else into a show. And no. there's a phenomenal version of it, um, which, and I think this is part of what's kept not like the hype, but like the interest in Hamilton going so long is that it turns out there are all these other like earlier versions of yep. songs that didn't end up making it in. Um, and there's a version of it that's like a little bit longer that they did a video of about probably like a year ago now with every single woman who's played, um, yeah, who's played her um, doing different record, doing, they all like five of them or whatever are singing it at the same time. And it's a little bit longer and it gives her a little bit, more time to like yell at him and i i understand why they cut it down during the show but like it's such a fucking powerful like fuck you song yeah they and they use the early really angry lyrics which are like yeah. characteristically angry for that character so i see why they changed it but also it's great oh it's such a fucking powerful song yeah and yeah, that, that moment like, in the show is so cool because so the so uh they confront him with 
hey, we we uh, we think you embezzled money. And he says, no, I was just cheating on my wife and I was being extorted. Here's all the papers. But you guys won't tell anybody. Right. And they went, mm, sure. So he has this idea to write a pamphlet where he admits all of it and says, I wasn't embezzling money. Please don't, you know, destroy our credit as a country. I'm at fault. Please just be mad at me. And so it's Hurricane, which is this really heartfelt song about he's like, I wrote my way off the island. And when my mother died, I wrote my own way to making life make sense. And then the Reynolds pamphlet drops and it's a two minute hard, like, 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 like trap song, just dunking on how stupid that is. And it's really funny. And then to burn, which is super sad. It really the emotional flow of that, like part of the show is really interesting to me. Yeah. I mean, it's it's well done. Yeah. Oh, first first burn is what they call it when they. Yep. The, the uh, other version of it. Do y'all fuck with Ben Franklin's song? I fuck with I fuck with Ben Franklin's song so hard. Oh, yeah, I, because he released, like, other characters that weren't in the show, right? That was one yeah. of yeah. the ones um, he released afterwards. And does yeah, it, like, yeah. mountain, somebody does it, the Decemberist or something? The Decemberist, yeah. I, I would uh, love, it would never happen because he's moved on other stuff. I'm like, oh, I want a song about the Alien and Sedition Acts where, like, John Adams is confronting his cabinet, which were all, like, Hamilton-like plants. And I want the, the, uh, the Secretary of State, Timothy Pickering, and the Treasury Secretary, Oliver Walcott, played by Run the Jewels. I want it so bad. It will never happen, but I think that would be fire. Alex, I've known you for about a decade now, and that is maybe the single nerdiest thing you've ever said, and I'm here for it. <laughs> <laughs> but so, Ben Franklin's on, so when I saw the Decemberists play at the Prospect Park uh, band shell, he go, uh, Colin goes, hey, uh, yeah, this next song was a collaboration with Lin-Manuel Miranda. I'm like, oh, shit, they're going to play it. Yes. He goes, yeah, I w- we were supposed to play here like a couple months ago, but I got sick. And sorry, but like we were going to bring him out to sing it with us. And now we're here, but he's filming Mary Poppins Returns. So we're going to play it. But like, sorry, because that would have been amazing. And I was like, oh, but OK. Here's an amazing thing you're never going to get to see, audience. <laughs> Yep, I would have loved that so much. And he said, he goes, yeah, he told me that he imagined Ben Franklin's songs being Decemberist-y. So it was like he gave it to them on purpose. That's very good. There's also that Weird Al one, too, that's pretty good. Oh, that's great, the Hamilton Polka. I love it. Also, his love of Weird Al is so so pure. Oh, palpable, yes. For, For those of us not familiar with what we were just talking about, how did a Ben Franklin and a Decemberist song come into Hamilton? Um, he had written a Ben, the lyrics to a Ben Franklin song, but because there's so many characters already and Ben Franklin is involved in Hamilton's story, but not enough to necessitate being one extra character. He cut it, but he said he sent it to Colin Malloy and said, hey, I imagine Ben Franklin's music, his his themes, you know, musically being Decemberisty. Um, do you guys, I'm going to do this thing called Hamil Drops, where once a month in 2018, I put out bonus Hamilton content. Do you guys want to arrange and write this song based on the lyrics? And of course they said, fuck yeah. And it's a, uh, it's so good. It's one of my favorite songs of theirs, if I'm honest. Yeah. Benjamin fucking Franklin. 
so that's another that's where the uh, for listeners that song i was talking about the first burn where they yeah, was a hamel drop. The earlier version that was also a hamel drop and there's he did it like one a week for most of the year right there's like a lot of them um it was one a month and another one that i i, I wish there was some of them were just remixes and stuff which are all they're all great yeah, like they dropped the mixtapes a couple times i think yeah yeah like there's so um, much additional content to this musical yeah, I'm here for all of it. And I, I, should we bring up that I am the creator of All French Bulldog Hamilton? Or is Absolutely. That oh, God, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. I want to know. I want to know more about this. Okay. Um, see, uh, listeners, I'm a comedian, but sometimes I get sick when I have a whole lot of gigs planned and I have to cancel them and it makes me sad. So when I do that, I'm like, well, I need to amuse myself comedically somehow. So a couple years ago... I decided I was going to cast uh, an entire production of Hamilton using stock photos of French bulldogs. And I was going to document what the rehearsals were like and the auditions. And it was an increasing disaster with like, you know, there's just they're farting and sneezing during all their big moments. And then the opening night was just almost flawless. And I just wrote this whole thing. And I was it was a really was, good bit. People fucking picked it up, dude. <laughs> they really did. And I was really surprised. People were like, how does this end? And I'm like, oh, you'll you'll see. <laughs> I was like, why does anyone give a shit? But they, they did. I, I joined. And then an, a, a, a website wrote an article about it as if it was real. I forget if I showed it to you guys, but I was oh, very I proud of it. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I, uh, I, want Lynn, I want Lynn to see it at some point because I'm sure he'd love it. But the weekend where it was written up, he had to go and, like, have a baby. So, <laughs> <laughs> so the Twitter noise was a little loud for me to get over. No excuses. Yeah. Yeah, um, I forgot what we were talking about. Hamel drops, Absolutely. they're great. You're talking about the yeah. mixtapes. Yeah, the mixtapes. The mixtapes are really good. They're mostly just covers, which is fine, because some of them are really good. Um, there's some that are bonus content. Um, my, I, I, I also, what I like to call Black Tar Hamilton, is when you look up a YouTube video of a compilation of just songs that they had in the early run but were cut for time. Uh, which is like, oh, you know you're in deep with this show if you're doing that. And my favorite is the John Adams rap that's based on the pamphlet he dropped. Um, have you guys gotten to the song where they explain the the Adams administration? I have no idea. I have no way of knowing. I mean, probably. <laughs> it's yeah, it's right after Washington steps down and they basically say like, yeah. hey, this is going to get fucked up because Hamilton's voice of reason is gone and he just knows fighting and writing. So it's going to get hairy. And uh, yeah. and um, they they really condense it in the show, but in real life, um, Hamilton uh, ran the army for a minute, and then uh, Adams got peace with France. So we didn't need it anymore. And well, Adams had always been like really salty toward Hamilton. Like he kept saying he's a drug addict and he's creepy and he's a British spy. All this stuff that wasn't true. And Hamilton could not take even accurate criticism. So lies. <laughs> he just flew into a rage so he dropped this huge pamphlet where he just said fuck john adams he's terrible all this stuff and it completely backfired and ruined his his own career um in the show they swapped that with the reynolds pamphlet for that that kind of effect um but it is mentioned and there's a, a much longer rap where they you know rap out some of the the themes in that but it was cut for a joke basically and the joke is hilarious so it's i don't want to spoil what it is um, so it's worth it, but I really also love that and wish it was available, like recorded, recorded. But that's just me. Huh. Yeah, I, really I like mean, Hamilton, honestly, guys. If you haven't the noticed. founding fathers, the founding fathers were like the original burn book boys. Like, oh yeah, like the we think of them as wars. like 
Yeah, we think of them now, like with time and history books and whatever, as these like, you know, stately important people who knew what the fuck they were doing, but they weren't. They were a bunch of frat boys fighting each other through essays. Totally. And like even the te- so the two parties that weren't like officially, you know, you wouldn't register it like for a party like we do now, but the two factions were the Democratic Republicans and the Federalists. And the reason they call them that is because it was to imply that the other one was shitty. Because it's like federalism to imply, hey, if you're a Democratic Republican, you don't even respect what we're doing as a country at all. You want chaos. And the Democratic Republicans were like, well, if you want federalism, you know, why do we even rebel from England? They were catty bitches, and I'm here yeah. for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, like, yeah, you've gotten really into the history of it more than just the show. Yeah, I read the book. Were you, were you particularly interested in it beforehand, or did this kind of get your interest in it? This got me into it, and honestly, like, so so once I became more acquainted with uh, Hamilton and Jefferson and, and the founders and just the crazy amount of things they just knew and studied, like, they all knew history back to front, and they knew philosophy and poetry, and they all spoke, like, six languages. I was like, oh, I want to be that. So I've been, um, over the past few years, been like, all right, I'm always going to be reading something. And I'm always going to be learning something and doing history, like the Vietnam thing is what I'm doing right now. And trying to be, I just want to get really, really, really smart because I miss when people did that all the time. And obviously also because When people were smart, yeah. I too miss when people were smart. Yeah. And like, granted, they had the privilege to be doing that. But like, you know, some a lot of people, education was a, there was a big gap in it. But I still think it's so cool that like, you know, these people were that fucking smart and I just I wish more people would be like oh I don't read that much you know and know what they're I think you get people like that now especially as a reaction to the Trump era because it's a time in history that's begging us to figure out how we got here which I think is is really an interesting kind of turn so no I didn't really have any interest in them before and then once this happened I was like oh oh I want to study so many things now because I this is so compelling a show. Nice. I mean, yeah. that's great. Yeah, I mean, they were. They were a bunch of they were a bunch of nerds, and they certainly yep. did have the privilege of an education because very few people did have the privilege of an education. But they were also totally. smart enough to take that education and use it. Yeah, I mean, it's and really staggering. Yeah, I mean, and you're absolutely right. Honestly, it's kind of like if you just took the the cast of Social Network and threw them back a couple hundred years. Kind of, yeah. They were all like, some of them were pretty handsome, and some of them were weird and awkward, and they're all angry. <laughs> oh yeah, that's what I said. They're just a bunch of fucking angry, yeah. drunk frat boys arguing via essay. Yeah, like they're a bunch kinda... of weird nerds that don't know how to talk to one another or compromise. Yeah, and you kind of nailed it with the they were the original Burnbook boys. Like that's yeah, brava, brava. <laughs> you got it. Like that's all they did. They just had fucking arguments via the newspaper. Yeah. Um, Which is the most inefficient way to have an argument, but uh, yep. you gotta respect it for its pedanticness. Yes, and it was a good way to not be called out because it was all pseudonym, so like people knew it was you oh, by the the, yeah. the code of gentlemanness. Like you couldn't say like, "Hey Hamilton, I know you fucking said that about me," but yeah, you it knew it was even, him. They didn't even own it either. They were like, they yeah. all wrote them under pseudonyms. It was yep. so petty. It was yeah. the most fucking petty shit, and I live for it. Me too. And they were all like, um, I live for pedantry. Yeah. They were all pseudonyms based on like Greek and Roman heroes. And they would choose it like based on whatever they were going to, 
um, write about. And so my favorite story about this is uh, I think it was during uh, the Jay Treaty, which was super controversial because people were rioting about it. Like we gave too much back to England, blah, blah, blah. And it was a big debate. And Hamilton behind the scenes had kind of helped to orchestrate it. Um, cause he's like, well, if we don't make peace with England, they're our biggest trading partner. They'll just kill us again. We barely got out alive the first time. So he mm-hmm. wrote this essay, these bu- bunch of essays. Um, I can, I feel like I'm boring you guys, but I'm going to finish this anyway. No. Um, no, <laughs> that's literally the point of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is my problematic fave in a pretty literal way. He wrote a bunch of essays under the pseudonym Camillus about the J treaty. And then not fit to just stop there. He wrote a bunch of other essays under the name Philo Camillus, just talking about how rad Camillus is, just to like yeah. give himself an echo chamber and try to steer things toward the. And it worked. People started to actually like read it, and they're like, "Okay, I guess this makes sense. We're not thrilled about it, but we man. had to do it." He was. He was. That's like it's like when Trump would call gossip columnists in New York as his own secretary to try to get them yes. to print things about him. Yeah, but he wasn't as good as being his own hype man. Um, uh-huh. But I mean, hey, Hamilton, he got away with it. <laughs> for Until the Adams pamphlet, because he signed his own name, because he yeah. tried to duel John Adams because he was sending him letters like, you've dishonored me and blah, 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 which was kind of the opening, like, that's how you started these things. Like, hey, this is an, a, an affair of honor, you'd call it. And like, then you'd be like, if they didn't back down, you'd bring up guns and stuff. But so Adams just kept ghosting him, which you weren't supposed to do. But we were mm-hmm. getting to that era where dueling was like falling out of fashion. Like, so yeah. people were starting to just be like, yeah, fuck it. And so so Hamilton dropped that pamphlet and he signed his own name and it ruined him because everyone's like, oh, you're crazy. Okay. Yeah, you can't do that. That's not how it's yeah. done. Yeah. So. Yeah, you're just you're just really really mad, and you want the revenge against this dude because you don't like him, and he wouldn't play your gentleman's game. Uh, mm. And so that was kind of the big you know turning point for his life as a politician because no one really trusted him anymore. And part of the thing with all these guys, and I, I think that the show does a good job of showing this in as nuanced a way as I think you can, is yeah. what you were talking about where, like, all he knows is writing and fighting. I mean, yep. these were guys that were formed, they, they were they were forged through revolution, they were forged through fighting, and sometimes you have one guy that that's, he only knows how to fight, and, and Hamilton was one of those guys that didn't, as a person, couldn't figure out how to transition from being the underdog, from being scrappy, from always having to fight into leading, into a different... He yeah. wanted to bring the country into another era, but then he wasn't a man for that era, and he didn't know how to deal with that. Oh, it's interesting you bring that up, because there is a quote where he was getting... He was also, by the way, our most emo founding father. There's so many letters like, I hate the army, I hate the country, I hate myself, when he's like, you know, old. But there was one letter, it's really interesting you say that, because he goes, I feel like more and more this American world was not made for me. And he was kind of right. Cause I'm, in a lot of ways he was super progressive. He hated slavery. One of the big reasons he didn't trust people at all was because the slave auction was outside his window as a kid. So he just watched horror upon horror all day and thought, Oh, people only act right. If you know, they have something in it for them and that really skewed his worldview and stuff. And he was also, you know, um, People, people were like, we don't need any more taxes. And he's like, listen, we economics is still a thing. We we have to do it. You know, we can't just 
pretend those were he was the realist and all that sorts of stuff. But also he still believed in the code of honor that was starting to fall out of fashion. And you had to do these things. And if anyone said anything bad about how you do these things, you need to shut them up right now. And so he was mm-hmm. had one foot in the way future and the one foot way in the past. And it ended up ruining him. Yeah. And and he also was, like you said, realistic about when he was like, yo, we, we can't fight England again. They almost kicked our ass the first time. That's another thing yeah. that I think through American history books, we ha- we like to have rewritten history and make it seem like we beat the British handily. But we did it. Yep. Man. We Dude. almost got our asses handed to us. It is yeah. a miracle that we are a country. Yeah. <laughs> and then the War of 1812. We didn't win. We just oh, God, called, no. it a, yeah, we called it a draw when we were losing and then said we win like. And because everyone and then and then read the papers, the they went, and then pretended the French had nothing to do with it because <laughs> uh, it was supposed to be a war of eighteen fifty, but we just kept tying the score, right? That joke didn't work. Never mind. No, no, because twelve is before fifty. Yeah, I don't know, Brandon. I think I think we need to duel right now. Um, Beth, would you like to be my second? Absolutely. <sighs> I knew it was Sweet. always going to have. Uh, the, well, the cat's going to have to be my second then. Fuck. Honestly, she might fuck you up. She, oh, nope, she's running <laughs> off with the bullets. Um, yeah, she does. I mean, this is the cat. She likes small metal things. She did eat 11 cents. Oh, that is true. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is the small oh, cat boy. that swallowed a dime and a penny. A Lincoln and an FDR. <laughs> <laughs> no. Dime and a penny. Oh, I guess FDR is on the dime. He's on the dime and Lincoln's on the penny. I'm right. That's true. <laughs> Sorry, you are right. <laughs> you are the Hamilton of this podcast. I never, I yes. never really think about way, on the coins or any and, of the other bills. Sorry. And by the way, it was his idea to put presents on the money. <laughs> I'm a There's dork. You know what? And I think the show kind of single-handedly saved him staying on the $10 bill because wasn't there yeah. a campaign, like a pretty strong campaign like a year or two yeah. ago to put, I think Harriet Tubman on the $10 bill instead. Here's the thing. I'm, I'm really jazzed about her being on money. Kick off Jackson. Hamilton built the money and Jackson was a sociopath. Get rid of him. Yeah, Franklin. He was just a dirty old man. Yeah, he really was. I'm not even kidding. Put him on the $69 bill. <laughs> You're out of I the had a weird dream last night where a $58 bill was a thing. <laughs> oh, do you remember who was on it? See, if you get a 58 and 11, you have a party on your hands. <laughs> I do not remember who was on it, no. I don't think it, my dream was that clear. I just remember there Woodrow being a Wilson. There being a $58 bill. And I was like, yeah, this makes sense because $116 is a, is a, is a thing that we use a lot as a, as a society. So, yep. uh, A couple of years oh, no. ago, I was writing on a talk show at the PAC and uh, Neil Simon had just passed. And so we were doing a bit that was the ghost of Neil Simon and the ghost of Tennessee Williams, uh, but treating it like they were the odd couple. Um, huh. And I, I had a I pitched a joke that wound up making it in about how in heaven or the afterlife or wherever there is a production of Hamilton with the original people. And that it is very, very bad, except for Burr, <laughs> who can just straight spit fire. And Alex oh. giggles like an idiot every time I bring it up. I do. I've told that to so many people. And we also need to talk about uh, a Hamilton joke from your past. Uh, one of the chapters of But What If They Were Baked, though? 
Oh, I forgot that? about, but what if they I were baked, I love though? that so much. We're just like, I think it was like Hamilton's looking down the barrel of his gun, and Burr's is like facing a tree going, biggie, 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 can't you see? <laughs> Sometimes, <laughs> I think that's so good. I forgot about that. I Actually, one of the other one of those I wanted to do was the confrontation from Les Mis. Oh, that's so good. You always want to do the confrontation from Les Mis. I love the just confrontation like, from Les Mis all the as time. well. Before you Throw say another there. word, Jabeth. Okay. We're not getting Before you that chain right me now, up like a slave again. Up. Actually, I'd probably like that. <laughs> Listen to up. me. There what is something said? I must do. Yes, there is something I must do. End this podcast. If people. My duties to, to the law. No, you want to do the bit? I'm going to leave you hanging out here. Go ahead, do the bit. Do it. <laughs> you have no right. Come with me, 24601. Now the wheel has turned around. Jean Valjean is nothing now. Okay, I'm done. But our three okay. days all you is uh, three days is all you need. Dare right? you talk to me of crime? Okay, in the uh, show, I'm, I'm, I tire of this bit. <laughs> I think it tires of you as well. I tire of it. Yeah, it really does. It's been 13 years, and it does tire of you as well. Um. Anyway, uh. I grow so weary of all this. And then you just so cough up blood on a handkerchief. Partially because I think it was, uh, it's really successful and people were still buying tickets to it. And partially because nobody knew the world was going to shut down. You can't really watch this anywhere, can you? Um, every once in a while, a It'll bootleg. show up on Daily Motion. Yeah, a bo- the same bootleg keeps. Or Pornhub. Yeah, that did, I think that actually did happen once. Yeah, a couple times it's, um, it's been uploaded to Pornhub. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, so is this, does it come under gunplay? God, I hope so. <laughs> um, so yeah, unless so, you can find an illegal stream of it, you can't really watch it anywhere. But the, yeah. but like you said, the whole show—you basically get the whole show via listening to it, and it is available on like Spotify and everywhere else. Yeah, it's one of the biggest Spotify things probably ever. When it's on Pornhub, you gotta search by camera. <laughs> oh. Well, all right. So, anyway, uh, love to stop the show cold. We haven't done it in two years, but I haven't lost the magic touch of audio poison. Yeah, oral poison, the Brandon Beth story. Um, so yeah, highly recommend everybody go check it out on Spotify. Uh, Follow. I mean, we're home. You have the luxury of follow along with the words if you want, and like stop and do some research. And uh, yeah. it's and, a, uh, like actually pretty historically accurate hip hop. Yeah, the the like the only inaccuracies are when they had to like a little bit up the tension of a moment, or just the stuff they cut out because dude went fucking crazy over the end of his life uh, and wanted to like liberate venezuela and like steal florida from the span like it's it's it gets really really you're like whoa this dude needs help and he's not getting it <laughs> you highly recommend the book it's by um chernoff run run channel yeah yeah specifically the one that lim manuel based the show around is it's really big guys but hey we're all stuck inside we have time yep ron chernoff uh, there, there is, um, and once you're done listening to the original cast recording of Hamilton, you should go into SoundCloud and look up uh, somebody from the pack. I don't remember who it was. Uh, re-recorded the entire soundtrack of Hamilton, doing an Adam Sandler voice. Wow! And it is 
so preposterously silly. I practiced uh, the law. I practically perfected it. That, that it, it, exactly. It's it's that for two hours, and it is. Oh wow! A sh- yeah, he like I said, he does the entire show. <laughs> okay. All parts. You know what? Good commitment to a bit. Yup. Yeah. I guess. All right. Well, even though um, again, we're all stuck inside. You've got a bunch of live streams going on, Alex. If somebody wanted to hear more from you and Broadway Baby and stuff, tell us. Tell us of your plugs. Sure. Um, you can uh, see my many live streams. I have uh, one called Everything is Rent, which is the only Rent musical-themed game show that has ever existed. Uh, I've got one where I learned about heavy metal. I had one about history, but that stopped. And that's all at Alex Fasella, F-O-S-S-E-L-L-A, on Instagram. And uh, go to Broadway Baby Pod on Twitter. And Instagram and on iTunes uh, for Broadway Baby. We just put out an episode today on She Loves Me. Um, we're saving Hamilton for when the movie comes out. <clears throat> and we're going to do it as our as our live episode. And I can't wait. Nice. Um, but that's going to be in, in a while. But uh, the numbers are you know going up and up little by little. And I love doing that show. Um, and where I learned about musicals. Because I used to think I hated them. And now I love them. And then check out Modern Day Philosophers. Which is my philosophy podcast that I write for. Um we have get, had guests like Mark Marin, Bill Burr, Tony Hawk. Um, there's a Kevin Nealon episode, but it was lost because the file was corrupted. But it did happen, so we pull names. And uh, I, I recommend the things that I do. All right. Brandon? Uh, yeah, like always, I'm at Hell Yes Brandon across the internet. I've got some music up on SoundCloud. My band Inkblot has uh, some demos up on SoundCloud and some live shows up on YouTube, which I think are a much better uh, example of our of our sound and kind of what our, our whole deal is. Um, yeah, I think that's... Oh, 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 oh. Um, so back in the early to mid-2000s, uh, Sufjan Stevens uh, embarked upon a project to write an album of songs for every state in the union. He quit after two like a goddamn coward. <laughs> and uh, so this comedian, Joey Clift, who uh, is all, is always uh, orchestrating these like very elaborate, giant projects, decided he was going to crowdsource the other 48 albums. And the first wave of them dropped the other day. And I have a track on the Texas album it's a collaboration with uh, me and my friend Will Morgan from uh, Detention at the Pack Theater and uh, a like money loan company ad I kept seeing on Pluto.tv um, where we did a version of Deep in the Heart of Texas called Deep in the Fart of Texas. Uh, to make it, I had I spent an hour of my life sorting uh, or sourcing different discrete farts um and ra- and ranking them based on their uh recording quality and musicality. Mm. And I think it I think it turned out uh real dumb. <laughs> so you can check right. that out on SoundCloud. It's the Hour 50 States project. Um and I think that's it for my plugs. Um uh my you can you can find me on my Animal Crossing Island. My turn up prices are generally trash. All right. 
Uh, I don't have any plugs because, um, you know, my job has been obliterated, but that's a story for a different time. Uh, you can find me everywhere online at, at B scores, B E E like the buzzing B scores, like you score a goal S C O R E S with an underscore at the end, because somebody had it without the underscore on Twitter already. And if they didn't match, it was going to drive me crazy. Uh, you can find the podcast at, at Intuit Pod on Twitter, or you can follow the Intuit Pod hashtag on Instagram. Um, as always, thank you to Kaylin West and Tiny Stills for the use of our theme song. Starting over is a lot like giving up off the album Falling is Like Flying. You should go check out her stuff, too, uh, because it's all real great and it's up on the web. And uh, that is all I've got. Uh, we thank you for joining us for the second time on this podcast, Alex. And as always, it is great to talk to you. And we're... Uh, we're glad you're doing well, and we miss you, buddy. I love you, I miss you, and I'm coming back for the Cats movie episode. Please, let's do it sooner rather than later. Hell yeah. Yeah, because, like, I have time. If you just want to, like, bang out two, if you want to do it, like, next week or something, I would be very into it. <laughs> All right, I'll let you know. <laughs> uh, okay, and then I, I got... Are we done? What's going on? <laughs> we didn't know they were He's going to take old dude. Okay, it was very loud. Old dude. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, but I was I was trying to say like I don't want to like make you feel any pressure, but I just figured we were having fun talking about it anyway. So if you just wanted to do one like sooner rather than later on the cats movie, like holler at your boy. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I will hit you up next week. But Please that, do. Brandon. All that being said, podcast over podcast over. The podcast is over now. Songs from other musicals. There's a podcast down the, the line at 11.39 when the night's pod's ready to depart. Oh my God, I'm hanging up on you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and podcast over. Podcast over. over. Great job.